0: So Jessica, welcome to the Remote Life Podcast. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on.
0: No, you're so very welcome. got lots of fun stuff to chat about today. So let's dive straight in, connect the dots for us. Tell us about your remote journey. And was this the general path that was always on the cards for you?
1: No, the answer is no. It was not something I ever thought that I would do. And it kind of came as a surprise. So I moved to Amsterdam in 2014 just kind of sold everything, packed up, moved over here. And eventually I just got a normal job, a corporate job, uh, international company for three years, I think. And then it was just a moment of, you know what? I really want to try something different. And when we moved, I couldn't work at the very, very beginning, just visa stuff. So I started a blog and the blog turned into a YouTube channel. So... Now that's what I do is I I run um, two websites now and a YouTube channel. And it's awesome.
0: And what are they called?
1: It's a wonderlust <laughs> for Life. <laughs> uh, that's the main one. That's where everybody can find me on all the social medias. And uh, then I have a niche site that I'm just starting to build. So I'm not quite uh, ready to throw that out there into the wild yet. But it's just nice to kind of have the freedom to work for yourself. It's a blessing and a curse,
0: I think. I completely agree like it's not for everybody but it does get easier and I wouldn't have it any other way absolutely
1: same I think it's just something that you learn and grow yourself a lot so you know it, it's not for everybody but you do kind of grow into it you find your own patterns and what you like and what you don't like and and how you thrive really so it's it's it's, its own uh, ride in life
0: I like that analogy kind of like a roller coaster very much like a roller coaster yeah yeah. awesome well so talk to us about life in Amsterdam and uh, is there anything that we need to know about remote and expat life there
1: living in Amsterdam is absolutely amazing Uh, I think the best part about living in Amsterdam is you do things that tourists just don't do and you get to experience the city in a way that they don't and they can't because I have a network here. I have friends. Like we go out for boral, which is a uh, after-work kind of hangout thing, usually with your coworkers. And mm-hmm. it's the type of lifestyle that I have here that makes Amsterdam so amazing. But then the city is pretty incredible for any visitor. And I take it upon myself to make sure that anybody that I talk to loves Amsterdam as much as I do when they come to visit. So I love to give the tips of places that I love that maybe visitors don't know about and how to enjoy the city in a way that's maybe different than they've seen in the movies on Instagram and things like that, you know?
0: Uni tours. (laughs) If you're from the UK.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of stag parties, hen parties, you know, (laughs) the stuff that you see. But I think that the one thing that I would ask people to do if they came to Amsterdam is to get out of the city center and just check out uh, different neighborhoods. So a lot of people will stick to the the center where the beautiful canal houses are. And I totally get it. But to go to De pipe, which is super, I mean, I thought it was famous, but I don't think a lot of people know about it. I, I got that impression at least. Uh, but it's very, very lively. It's where the Heineken experience is. It's kind of like the north part of it. I think a lot of people might know that part. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) We go south of there and there's so many amazing bars and restaurants. And like we have the east and the west and the north is where I am. And we have street art like crazy up here and the highest swing in Europe. I mean, there's stuff to do everywhere if you just take a chance and get out of the centre for a bit.
0: That sounds awesome. I'll find out about more of that later. You mentioned just now, about, like, the type of lifestyle that you live now. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Like, as opposed to, like, maybe what you had before, like, I'm assuming there's a before.
1: A before Amsterdam. Life before Amsterdam. That is a life before Amsterdam. (laughs) I I feel like I am a totally different person than than, uh, when I lived in the U.S., which is uh, where I'm from. I mean, I'm from the mountains, (laughs) so I moved to the Netherlands, which is literally, like, the nether lands it's like yeah. below sea level and it's flat i couldn't have moved anywhere different as far as geography goes but it's lifestyle here is a lot different because it's a major city which i again lived in the mountains and having a network here there's something for everybody but for me i love the fact that uh we have, we have movie premieres here we have famous people come and yeah. hang out here and take instagram photos and uh, album covers and stuff like that like, like Justin Bieber owns an apartment here like it just kind of boggles my mind that people come to my home to experience it and that is phenomenal to me but what's also kind of insane is that they have a very different lived experience of the same city so for me my life here is I stay home a lot I'm actually an introvert
0: <laughs> I think a lot and of I feel, that's what people are
1: <laughs> I think so too I absolutely think so Uh, it doesn't show, but I'm a social introvert. We'll call it that. Yeah. I love to go on a canal cruise. Like that's the one like really big touristy thing that I still absolutely love doing. I highly recommend those damn boat guys. It's my favorite. I've been on the boat like three times and yes, I paid for them all, (laughs) not sponsored. And I just, I love seeing the city from different perspectives. So from the canals, from a bike, walking, getting above the city, um, going up to a Sky Bar or something like that. Mm-hmm. But just, you know, having my favorite restaurant, having my favorite places to go, knowing how to get in and out of the metros, knowing which direction the trams go, like, all of that is what I love about the city. Like, I love that I know a famous place like the back of my hand, and I never take it for granted. And going to my favourite restaurants and bars, that's kind of the the best part, and walking around the parks. It's hard, sorry, it's just really hard to kind of na- narrow down, like, what, what my lived experience is
0: here. Well, I guess, like, what are, like, maybe one of the, like, one or two top things you've noticed that are different in, in your lifestyle since moving to Amsterdam? Like, more from a, maybe not day-to-day necessarily, but, like, kind of in the week,
1: I take public transportation, which I didn't do in the U.S., sure. uh, and not very, very big of a thing. And I have a bike as my main mode of transportation, other than the bus, the metro, trams, so like oh, public transportation. But the fact that, like, I take my bike to go hang out with my friends or putting my groceries, like, when I go grocery shopping, they go on my bike. I have two side bags on the back of my bike, and then I have a front basket, and that's the groceries where they go. Nice. Like there's no other place for them to go. or in a bag on the handlebar and they're hanging down. The life here is more of wonder and enjoyment. Whereas in the U.S., and this was even when I, when I had a traditional job here in Amsterdam, I, I just always loved walking around. I love just taking it all in and, and the energy. Whereas in the U.S., you just kind of or I just kind of slogged around, you know, I, I went to work, I came home, sometimes I would see my friends, but it, it just felt like this never ending loop. Right. Whereas now I feel like I get to enjoy moments more, or I, I actually do enjoy moments more.
0: If lifestyles, for example, kind of more important to someone, which I feel like over the last couple of years has become a little bit more of a priority for people now, prioritising their lifestyle... It's almost kind of like a, it's not even just for freelancers necessarily, but also for remote workers potentially, or like someone who's just looking to switch up their job for like a year or whatever. It sounds like it's a good one for all kind of bases.
1: Yeah, I think this city offers a lot. It offers a lot in terms of things to do, places to go. Obviously, it's a capital city, so there's a lot of connections. So we have uh, Amsterdam Central Train Station. I mean, you can't really go north from here. I mean, you can go in, in northern yeah. uh, uh, the Netherlands, but, you know, you go to Germany, go to Belgium, go to France. I have the Eurostar now, which is very exciting. Oh, very uh, well. Go straight to London direct. So that's pretty cool. And, of course, people airport. I love the connection here. And I think if anybody took time to stay here and work, that that would be a big draw because it's so easy to get to other places and pretty fast. Mm-hmm. I have a record of getting from my door, and I live on the opposite side of the city, okay. from door to gate in 45 minutes.
0: In the airport. <laughs> You've just made a lot of people very jealous.
1: I'm <laughs> oh, sorry, I used to live two hours away from an airport, so I am not sorry.
0: Yeah, that's definitely one of the beauties of living in a, a European city for sure, absolutely. And are there any like, I was just thinking about like, okay, there are even just for people who are visiting like from somewhere else um, for a sure short stay, are there any key phrases that a digital nomad or expat needs to know when visiting Amsterdam?
1: Honestly, no. That's for one <laughs> of the best English speakers in the world. Um, but I mean, you can always, it's it's a pretty casual city. So if you if you wanted to say uh, thank you, you could say Dunkibelle. Which is the informal version of "thank you," but like I said, it's a pretty informal city. Ashibliyt is please, but I always I always find it funny when people teach phrases. Sometimes they'll they'll teach people to say um, like how much is that, and I always wonder about that because I'm like you're not gonna be able to understand them <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> if that's the only thing you know. How much is that? And then, I mean, if they type it out uh, on a calculator, that that definitely works. But I think just saying hello which is, hello, and, uh, als please blieft, please, and Val, thank you, thank you. Those little things will go a long way in just kind of showing respect if you, sure. say, if you say those things, yeah.
0: Nice. So it sounds like there wasn't, you kind of didn't really feel too much pressure to necessarily learn the language, like, when you moved?
1: Sadly, no. Um, I still do Dutch every day. I use Rosetta Stone. It's actually, it was created in, um, in my town. So Ooh. I have a special place for it. But yeah, it's a hard language, but it's also if you just put in the time, you can do it. I just never put in the effort, which is on me. I always fully believe that if you live somewhere, uh, you should learn the language. So it I feel actually pretty horrible about it. So I'm putting in some more effort nowadays because I do feel not the pressure, but kind of like, or not the external pressure, but the internal pressure I'd love to be able to speak to my neighbors in sure. their language instead of them always having to speak to me in mine.
0: I was um, traveling with a friend last month in Mexico City and I definitely have kind of taken for granted what learning Spanish as a kid like mm. does for being in like obviously Spanish-speaking countries when you're like trying to sort a problem out or like you're trying to yeah like you said talk to a neighbor or just talk to anybody in general. I definitely take that for granted, and well not from now on so that that's just kind of where it comes from for me I think it definitely helps to have even just a few like I know you mentioned not having phrases but I feel like almost a couple of key phrases just to kind of show that you're trying at least
1: yeah and I I mean I can get by in Dutch on day-to-day things that's not really a problem but yes. I wouldn't I wouldn't say I know Dutch like I can definitely order in a restaurant I can ask you know the time I can get like I had to go. Um, uh, to the hospital once, just a routine thing. And I had to do most of the intake in Dutch and that mm. was fine. Uh, she started going over like the uh, specific stuff and I was like, hold up, <laughs> let's switch to English. But, you know, I can do the basic stuff in Dutch. It's more just the, yeah, just the deeper stuff. But I do awesome. think that it does show respect in, in learning those, those key phrases I just don't think a visitor necessarily needs to know too many things. But like I said, please and thank you and stuff like that, that's always... I
0: polite, think. yeah, being polite.
1: Yeah, polite, exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Was there like anything that you wish you had known before you had moved out of there? <laughs> Your face, that, that was uh, that was quite <laughs> a look of... Um... <laughs> what should I have
1: known? Um, I feel like I adapted pretty well. And I think the only thing that I wish I knew would be to not listen to people who just visit Amsterdam for a week. Oh, interesting. To not listen to their judgments of the city because it's not that city. It's not the city that if you come here for a week with your family or you came here for a week with a school group, that's not Amsterdam. Like that. That's a part of it. But that's like if you, you know, in college and you had your friend in dance class and you knew them in dance class you didn't know them with their family. You didn't know them with their friends. You didn't know them when they're studying. You didn't know them so, when they're by themselves. Like It's like this one facet of a city. But just knowing that there is so much more than what you know and so many interesting experiences that you could have, it's more multifaceted than I thought. And that is something that I wish I knew coming in. But then again, I would have just been more excited. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, it was still a good good choice for us because we fell in love with it but that would have been even more of a reason to move
0: nice oh that sounds so sweet was Amsterdam always on your list of like to move to or like did, it, did you have a handful and you just tried a few or
1: yeah so uh long story short my husband got his Italian citizenship in uh.
0: 2014
1: which is how we are allowed to live here uh, and with his career path, there was only a couple different places in Europe that made sense for him to move to, to get a job. And if I tell you the four, you'll understand. <laughs> but basically I'm, I haven't fallen in love with Paris. It's just not mm-hmm. not my city. That was mm-hmm. one of them. Frankfurt, Germany, which is a little too, well, not as exciting, not as interesting in, in my opinion as Amsterdam. And then Slough in the UK. What? Sorry. So... Oh. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, we came, he had basically been to all these different places for work and he loved Amsterdam the most. Like when he was here, he basically lived the life of a local because he just went to work every day and he had a grocery shop and all this, and he just could see himself here. And so we planned a week trip and fell in love with it just instantly. And we came back the next year to move. And it was kind of a sight unseen kind of a thing as far as, you know, where we lived for a while and Within six months it felt like home.
0: Nice. Right. Sorry, my brain was still kind of stuck on slough. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was that was the <laughs> I guess, face. I get that reaction a
1: lot. People are like, oh, I get it. I get it. And we did look at it. Um he went to, he went for job interviews. And then of course, you know, you're like, oh, can we live in in London? But even as as expensive as Amsterdam is, it's not as expensive as
0: London. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, I completely understand that one. Do you know anybody who's got a digital Nomad visa? I, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know if that's a thing or not. So feel free to correct me.
1: It's not in the Netherlands, actually. So you would be able to be here under a normal visa situation just for the three months or so, uh, three months for Americans at a time. But uh, we do have something called the Dutch-American Friendship Treaty. So mm-hmm. if anybody's American, um, you could start a business over here and they give you a visa for a certain amount of time. Uh, but it's called the Dutch-American Friendship Treaty. You can Google that and uh, learn the details. But yeah, it's we don't really do the digital nomad stuff. I think they tend to get the uh, highly skilled migrants is,
0: is sure. really what
1: um, the government is <laughs> in the process of doing now, I guess.
0: That makes sense. with it becoming more and more popular, I guess.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of the, and I could be wrong, so feel free to correct me, but I, I feel like it's a lot of the countries with uh, lower tourism that mm-hmm. are trying to increase more people living there with a digital nomad visa. But here it gets very tricky with uh, the taxes.
0: Yeah, I suppose it's countries that want to create, you know, if you think I think about like Spain and Italy who are like obviously creating like housing uh, incentives and things like that to populate villages and things like that. It, uh, yeah, you're right. It's kind of a little bit different in that respect.
1: In Estonia, that'd be really cool. Like right. here, they have like some of the fastest internet in the world.
0: <laughs> they have got a lot of parks. They've got a yeah. lot of perks I can't list them off right now, but I remember looking at it and going, okay, okay, they didn't come to play.
1: Yeah, I, I, you know, we've talked about if we left here, but honestly, I'm a permanent resident now, so if I ever deregistered I would for any length of time more than like three months or so then I would lose my permanent residency and then I couldn't live in Europe anymore so I'm more of the mindset of I'll travel frequently but this is my home and I love it and there's really no reason for us to move I mean we bought a house four or five years ago um, time doesn't exist anymore (laughs) Um, so it's kind of like this feels secure like this is home in really every every sense of the word. So I will always come back here, at least for the indefinite future.
0: Yeah, that makes total sense. And like as I mentioned on most of the podcasts, like traveling Europe, I mean, apart from the UK, huh? um, like, you know, just even getting on a train. You can get on a train for like twenty euros and being in another country. Like so often, it's ridiculous. So yeah, it's it's not like you're stuck for places to go explore either. And does it work like with your routine and things, like how do you find it when you're like do you have a specific routine like during the week and then you maybe go explore or like do you do anything differently from like a traditional routine?
1: I wish I said that I did. I I sometimes do but the normal routine is I mean, I I get started later in the day (laughs) and sometimes I work later. But uh it depends. Usually I'm at home working. But recently, I have been going to a co-working space that's actually in the same building as my that my husband works. So oh. it just kind of happened that way. It was very weird. Um, so if I do that, then I'll usually get there around 11, and then I'll be with him at 6, and then we come home together but otherwise, I'm just in the house. Uh, I do try and I'm trying to get in a habit of exploring more. There's something when you live in the Netherlands called um, a museum card. Oh. And basically you pay for the year. And there's, I don't know, hundreds of museums in the country uh, that you can go to for free once you have it. So I want to start a habit of doing that once a week and, and seeing more the museums. I'm not a museum person. So that's just something to not just push my own boundaries but learn more and be able to talk more about those kinds of things like I may not like museums but maybe some of my followers do and they have questions so I'd like to be prepared for
0: that nice so speaking of content like is there any like kind of specific way you like to set yourself up when you're doing your content like do you have any sort of rituals you like to do
1: do people have rituals
0: not literally, like, burning, what's it called, you know, like, sage and stuff. I said rituals, and I was like, oh, but you know what I mean?
1: Um, I don't think so. I have to have my tea. That's the main nice. thing. Um, I have to get started with tea no matter if I'm at home or in the office. Always English breakfast tea. I started this thing in the U.S. We were on, a, like, a long weekend in North Carolina, and I had the best English breakfast tea And it was the symbol of relaxation. So I've kept that for eight years now. And so when I have tea, it's kind of like this calming mechanism for me, calm and focused. So I do have a tea. So I guess that would be one ritual. I just have to find ways to focus. I'm working on that right now. It's really hard for me to just dive into something. But I have to have my paper planner. I don't know
0: if anybody out there is a paper person, but I have to have my planner. What about you, Anne? So, oh God, I can never really give a, a fully straight answer to that one because I have I've got like kind of my foundation of sort of like things that I like to do, and I basically I was on this summit. Um, I've did a whole blog post on it, but I have just had a massive breakthrough in my workflow in that respect. Anyway, like so, obviously, workflow being like a series of actions for a project to happen. And I only you know, explained that also because someone was like, workflow, But yeah, no, I, so I, I've kind of largely moved everything as much as possible to try and like, especially being on the go so much and being a bit more, you know, being a project manager, I try to keep things like as digital as possible. So it's almost as smooth and sleek and automated as possible. However, I've really got into, so I sort of got to journaling back in lockdown, like just writing down my thoughts and stuff every day ideas that maybe were just sat there like I didn't realise were sort of there, you know, in the back of my head but I've really got into this new journal by uh, Chelsea Kawai who is um, a blogger photographer and Instagrammer and she has notes to self journal so it's literally like sort of a bit of a check-in and then also like more of a, a page for journaling not such a planner as such but it's paper and I feel like there's still something so cathartic about writing stuff down so to answer your question I'm a bit of a weird mix of both because I'll probably next week be like I haven't got time for paper and then like in two months I'll be like I'm back to writing that's it's so religious
1: I think there's something to be said to have both like and I'm the great thing I'm in my mid-30s and the great thing about your 30s is you're learning so much about yourself I've learned Mm. so much about myself in the last few years and I'm working out right now more about how my brain works on a productivity level sure. and what works best for me. And one of the things that works well for me is I have a planner and basically, you know, there's people that are like on Sunday night, put your to do's, put them all on, like put them in your, your agenda. I have, uh, I had a YouTube coach and she time blocked like each day So she'd be like, okay, here's creative time or some, you know, whatever she needed to do she time blocked, which is a very popular thing to do. But for me, I found that was really difficult Mm -hmm. to, to say, I'm actually going to do this then. And the biggest thing that I've learned is that you can take all this information from your mentors, from your friends, from conferences, but you have to figure it out for yourself. So testing different Mm -hmm. things is really, really important. And one of the things that I've gotten to do is in the morning, I have to like, just throw everything down on the page in some form. So if I'm like, okay, I need to edit this video. I'm going to get started on that today, but I'm really just going to put all the clips into Premiere. Right. And oh, I have this great idea for this blog post, so let me put that down. And I also have digital. I use a uh, Zenkit, which I love Zenkit <laughs> so much. I know people are all about Trello, they're all about Asana, they're all about all these different things. I'm all about Zenkit so hard and it really helps me schedule things out and it's also a place to brain dump. So if I'm if I'm going through like the research phase for the website or for YouTube, I will um either use paper if I'm just like feeling like that cozy, let's curl up on the couch and knock this out. I'll just grab my paper and knock it out. And then whatever comes of those that I'm like, this is a really good one because the numbers are good, then I'll put it in my Zen kit. And then yeah. it's there to be scheduled. And that's just, it's really nice to be able to like move it around the calendar and stuff like that and to see it visually. But to have things on paper helps me kind of think it through. Yeah. I think it is how that helps.
0: That Thank was you. very
1: long-winded about I write
0: no. stuff down. No, no, no. I do almost exactly the same. I cause Basically, the way I got into it was, uh, so me and my accountability partner last last year, I've talked about this in a previous episode, so I don't want to like bore everyone again. But we read the artist's way. I don't know if you've done that one.
1: I have not read that one, but it
0: is on my list. Yeah. Okay. Then we won't spoil it for you. But okay. that was how I got into it, and it was so great because yeah, it just took out those thoughts that whether that was just you know, now. It's okay. How how are you like sort of feeling today? Like are you noticing anything different, or like what's coming up out of this? And then from there, i are kind of like okay, idea, do, idea, do, idea, do, idea. And then my version of ZenKit is Notion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: heard that one. yeah. That's I think that's a newer one, right? Like that's everybody's starting to use that.
0: Possibly. I got introduced to it about a year and a half ago. And apart from you, everybody I've heard uses that.
1: <laughs> I wonder how similar it is to ZenKit, because yeah, I know I know people have used it. I've seen it. I work for a YouTuber and she has used it for courses but I've never actually like used it myself because I didn't have to do that part for her class but now I'm so curious about it but of course like once you have a system set up like I have in ZenKit it's not like I want to move everything
0: over no completely
1: but I feel like I should learn it just to, just to know what the hype's about
0: with client work I got into it because of client work and because obviously they paid for the app if you pay for an upgrade you can add in apps And then essentially, so that's Instagram, that's your Google, your whatever it is. And then it works like closing up a whole browser within your laptop. So you know how like so many people go, oh my gosh, I've got like 10,000 tabs open, but some of it's from work, so I can't close it. This you can close. That sounds really interesting and very intriguing. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, my MacBook likes me again. Yay.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I have to say, getting... A powerful computer has has really helped as well. I feel like a lot of uh, digital nomads are all about the MacBook.
0: (laughs) Yes. You think that as well? I mean, I work in marketing. MacBooks are kind of made for, like, design programs and, like, all the rest of it. So I need the horsepower, as it were.
1: Yeah, no, I totally get that. I think I just – I am Mac literate, uh, so I do (laughs) –
0: I love it. Like, no, guys, I, don't
1: I do know, know it. it. I do know it. I did have to use it. Um, my last job in the US, so it's been eight years. But I actually just recently got what, what is this thing? I think it's an HP. No, it's a Dell. It's a Dell. <laughs> um, I think I always bought HPs. But I, I literally had to do research on basically the Windows equivalent of a Mac uh. because I video edit. And I had this beautiful, I love this computer. I still have it, but it doesn't do much of anything anymore. It's beautiful HP. It was like the lightest uh, laptop. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to be traveling a lot. Of course, I want the lightest laptop. But I couldn't edit videos on it. To be fair, I bought it before I did YouTube. But at some point, I knew that if I wanted to have the freedom to travel, I needed you know, a heavy-duty computer, and I just would not get a Mac I don't know I think I'm just so averse to it I don't hate it but like I don't I have a Google phone I had a Samsung phone before that like I like the what do you call that (laughs) where it's all interconnected the ecosystem yeah yeah yeah. yeah. I like the ecosystem with it all so yeah I have a A Dell it's the highest like horsepower kind of like what you said and it has been amazing not without its fault of course but I can I can take this and I can video edit on the road and that is just nice. like like literally life-changing
0: would you say that your laptop is like the like number one piece of tech you've got to have in your remote life bag
1: yeah I mean I when I do travel I travel I wouldn't say too minimally because I have too much camera gear but yeah I have my laptop and I bought During, like, Black Friday or something like that, I bought the little uh, solid-state Samsung drives that you can plug in. That's, like, the size of a credit card. And then um, the Travel Beans, other YouTubers at uh, Traverse, actually, they had this little pouch on the back of their laptop that you can put a hard drive in. So, literally, I have my external hard drive attached to my computer, and I have a mouse and my cable, and I'm good. Nice. And I can work anywhere. And... It just, it feels so free because before I had a desktop Mm. to edit. Now I can actually do work whenever and that's pretty amazing and especially with this kind of lifestyle.
0: Nice. So like, yeah, to add on nicely to that, tell us a little bit more about your work and like your day-to-day office setup. Like obviously you mentioned you work a bit from home, like sometimes it'll be a co workspace. What does kind of a, let's say like kind of what does your setup kind of look like? And then what does it maybe a day in the life of Jessica look like?
1: So my setup, my house is currently torn up because uh, water is seeping in somewhere it shouldn't. Yeah. So All I have right now is my laptop, but again, that's fine. Normally, um, I have my desk and a second monitor and I have a docking station for the laptop. And that lets me put in all the plugs that I could possibly want. And then I have a mouse. That's pretty much it. And then when I go to the office, there's also a second monitor there. Uh, so I plug that in. So that's pretty much all I got. And then, of course, my agenda. I can't go anywhere. It's my agenda. <laughs> so it's my baby. Um, typical day, I usually get started around 11 a.m. I do try to have slow mornings. I think for me personally, I think that's very important. Um, not because I'm sleepy or anything. It's almost just like that I need to get out. I don't know if I would say procrastination, but I have to. I have to get in a mindset for for work, and it takes sure. a little while. And because I start so late, I usually don't eat until like two or three, so that throws me off sometimes for dinner. But once I get into something, I really want to feel like I have a stopping point before I get anywhere. And a work day could be anything from. Editing a video to scheduling Instagram posts to creating um, short videos, so vertical short videos, to pitching, to writing. For the new niche site, I actually uh, hire writers. So sometimes it's about uh, interacting with them or finding them. And a lot of research. There's a lot of research when it comes to what videos are going to be about and then what goes in the videos. Titles, thumbnails, and then blogs, same thing, outlines. Uh, affiliate links. And it's just, there's always something to do. So So I like this job because no day is ever the same. And I think that's, that's a big perk of it for me. And the second perk for my personality is having a finished product. So when I finish a video, finish a blog post, I feel really good about that. And I kind of have a little yay moment.
0: Yeah, I completely understand those all together. Like, I like the end point. I like the, yeah, it's done point. Yeah. So, obviously, like, largely, like, you're a one woman band when it comes to like your filming and like all the rest of it. But sometimes you have your husband, Sean, with you, right? How is it traveling, like, as husband and wife? And like, is there anything that you, I don't know, would advise to people or, like, wish you'd known or, like, think that people should... Because, obviously, like, we all... You know how, like, obviously it's been romanticised to have the insta-husband and, like, all the rest of it? So is there anything that, like, you know, people kind of maybe could take, like, as some sort of help or advice when working with your spouse?
1: Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, when it comes to filming, any of the travel videos, I'd say 95% of them, he is there filming. Sure that's our style. That, that's the general style of how we film things. Uh, when I do the sit down videos, it's just me setting up. And when I say sit down videos, I do also expat videos. So I talk about life, how it's different and, um, yeah, weird things, fun things, you know, all that about living in Amsterdam. As far as the business though, that is mine. And I think going into it, you don't really think about the division of labor so much because before I did this full time, I, still did it. So there was still that expectation like of what he would do. And I, and actually he was editing the videos at the beginning. I was too scared to play with with Premiere Pro. Um now I only I'm the only person who touches the videos. And it was important for me to feel um like I did have the power in in my own business. And so I like we were very communicative and i think that's really important i think that's important for absolutely any relationship on the planet but you know we had to kind of work out what it meant for us and what the expectations were because he has a traditional job so it's not fair for me to put on certain responsibilities onto him but we you know after 4 years now after being on youtube since 2019 january 2019 we kind of have it down pat now but we still have we we still butt heads sometimes right. but it could be from Uh, Like he used to hate taking photos of me because he just didn't like taking photos of people. He liked landscapes. And so he's like, I don't, I don't know how to position you or what to do. And, you know, just talking that through and being like, okay, well, we'll do a couple different shots or you take a shot and then I look at it and then I'll reposition or I'll tell you how how to do it. So what it turned into is I'm directing and he's shooting and that works for us but like we had to figure that out and that took months just because you might see an issue in in how you're working together but you don't necessarily know how to fix that specific problem
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you also want to make sure that you're you're both happy so i didn't want him to be frustrated about taking my picture but he knew that that was important you know instagram and so we found this way to where it's like, okay, this takes the pressure off of him and I get what I need. So mm-hmm. I think working together, you know, you, you really have to figure out what's right for you. And some questions that I would ask, like if you're in the same situation where one of you is doing it full time and one's not, is what do they like doing? Like, what's, what's the part about it that they find fun? You know, Sean enjoys the fact that he can come to conferences with me and he gets to mm-hmm. do these fun things. Uh, we watch travel vlogs together and we'll we'll talk about, oh, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. I think you both have to be open for constructive criticism. Yeah. And when something doesn't feel right, I'll still tell him, I'm like, oh, you changed the aperture while you were filming again or something, you know, something small like that where you can easily cover it up. It's not <laughs> a big deal. But <laughs> it's, it's more just it's trial and error. It's always going to be trial and error. And he tells me, it's not always him, it's me sometimes. Um, We were filming this weekend and he said, oh, but you missed this part. I was like, oh, I was trying something new. But I understand like why why you were telling me that. Or, oh, that looks weird when you walked in this way. Or, you know, having direction because I can't see what's behind the camera from him is really helpful. So if you can just have that kind of relationship where it's not personal as far as when you're working, I think that's really important, and that's actually something we do really well. It's very weird; mm-hmm. I'm a very emotional person, but somehow when we're working, if either of us gets frustrated, as soon as we're done working, it never happens. Okay. So I don't know how that works. Uh, it's my sounds, personality.
0: It sounds like some good, open, honest com- uh, communication.
1: Well, I did study calm in, in <laughs> college, so I've always like. Since, we've been together since college, so yeah. I'm very, very, very. I'm very aware if we are communicating, if we aren't communicating. And if I'm frustrated, asking myself, like, what am I frustrated about? So sure. Is it what he's doing? Is it what I'm doing? Is it how I'm reacting to something he said? Is it how he's reacting to something I said? To really question yourself in those moments is also very, very important. It's not just about the other person.
0: Sure. Yeah. Self-awareness. Totally. Yeah, totally. exactly. Nice. So are there any places that we should hit up at all in Amsterdam, um, like either for work or for leisure or a remote yeah. work weekend, perhaps?
1: Yeah, there are some really great spots if somebody wants to grab their laptop and work for a few hours. Some of the most popular ones, well, any coffee house, really, right. in Amsterdam. And I just want to clarify, coffee house, <laughs> not coffee, coffee shop those are two very different things when you're in Amsterdam they're very different things one of the most popular is
0: it's funny you said about the coffee house and coffee shop I was like I wasn't gonna say it I wasn't gonna say it? but you said it so it's fine
1: I feel like I have to say it it's an obvious one I think I have to say it one of the most popular ones is coffee and coconuts it's in De Pipe and it's actually right outside of the metro station it is in an art deco building it is always packed it's very very popular but we have plenty of coffee houses. Uh, I really like bagels and beans. Uh-huh. That's one of my favorites. They have great bagels. Uh, there aren't many bagels in the city, so I'll speak when I can get them. Uh, and we have Coffee Company and, of course, Starbucks. But hotel lobbies, some of them are really, really excellent for this. And the most well-known ones are going to be the Hoxton. I believe there's one in London as well. Yeah, And the Volks Hotel is another really, really popular one. But if you have one of those subscriptions where, like, you're part of Spaces or Croissants or WeWork or any of that, we have, I think, probably all of those here as well.
0: Nice. Is there anywhere that we should check out on the weekend or, like, for maybe a beer after work?
1: Yeah, there's a couple of really great places. If you're looking for somewhere, like, super cozy, there's a couple different bars called Gollum, G-O-L-L-E-M. It's Gollum, but at least... That's how I would say it in Dutch. Right <laughs> <laughs> there's also a super cool spot. It's um, kind of near Central Station and it's Delirium. They have so many beers. I'm just talking about beers. I don't even <laughs> drink beers, but I feel like a lot of people who come here do. And uh, I'd say it's a little bit of a secret spot for locals. It's called Hanukkah's Boom mm. or Boom. And they have like an outside area right by the water. So if you want to, kind of hang out outside, watch the boats go by and stuff like that. That's a really cool spot. But if you're talking brunch, which is more my speed, I would definitely say um, Greenwoods on Kaisersgrat or Singel. Uh, They have two different locations. That is my absolute favorite. And then for a unique spot, Dignita Hofstown is in like this little courtyard area and they have outside seating as well. So there's Greenwoods. That would be that's
0: my idea of a, a nice weekend like brunch spot love it amazing you've got me thinking about brunch now
1: <laughs> i'm always thinking about brunch
0: it's 10 o'clock at night and i'm thinking of brunch mm, brunch in the courtyard <laughs> always a good choice Descom, last question sure. fill in the blank home is where where
1: my husband is
0: oh, oh my god I'm it's so sorry. cute i don't know if- So yeah, I mean mine sounds like so heartless by comparison. Basically, my so the thing with Hamlet's world and the remote life is the whole phrase is home is where my laptop is, i.e., where I can communicate with everybody. I kind of discovered a very long time ago for myself that as long as I can communicate with people, I if I've got a laptop, my phone, whatever it is, I'm home. But I
1: totally
0: get that. But that sounds way nicer. And, like, my heart's kind of doing it,
1: oh. (laughs) We're we're a super mushy couple,
0: so sorry. (laughs) No, that's cute. That is very cute. Well, Jessica, thank you so much for being on The remote Life. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much
1: for having me. It's been so much fun to talk to you and all your listeners.